signs of the end of time. Our topic today is the return of Jesus to this world. Now, one thing I want you to remember today is this, that Jesus will return soon to our world because, you know, all signs point to it. So go get your Bibles as we study this important topic. Welcome back, friends. Now, before we begin our study, let us, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much, God. I ask you, God, to help me with your message, Lord. I need your help. Send your Holy Spirit, Father, and let all distractions that we all have be thrown out the window. Forgive me for the sins I committed against you, God. Forgive us all, Lord, for our sins. Open our hearts and our minds, Lord, to focus on you and you only, Lord. Be with those that have things going on right now, Lord, in their lives. And may these distractions, God, be out, away from them for now. So they may hear your voice, hear your words, Father. May the words that I speak here be from the Bible and the Bible only, and not the opinions of men, Lord, because men fall short always. Thank you, God, for all you do for us. And may we approach you, Lord, and learn from you and hear your voice. This we pray in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we begin, let's see how many of you guys remember what, I, what our theme is. I know I can't see you, but remember, this is the theme. If it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. Sign of the end of time, my friends. That's our study that we're going to have today. Now, I'm going to begin with the story. In the 1600s, there was a young man named Isaac Newton sitting, sitting under an apple tree. Now, the apple fell and hit him on the head. Now, as a result of this incident, Sir Isaac Newton discovered the law of gravity. Now, no question, Isaac Newton and his, and his discovery of gravity and the motion of the planets was one of the great events of history's human thought. It was a, a major step known as a new scientific revolution. People started to study nature itself, and they started to seek out laws that would help explain events that happened in the natural world. Like questions like, why do rocks fall to the ground at the speed they do? What factors cause it to rain? What causes human sickness? And what to do to increase harvest production? Now, as more and more of these questions were being answered, it became a time of great optimism. A lot of positivity was going on. And people believed that by these discoveries and of science and technology that, that mankind would soon learn through the machines and inventions how to overcome disease and hatred, war, and, and even natural calamities. Now, a magazine article described the movie beginning in the 20th century as this. The railroad, the railroad, canards, liners, and the electric telegraph are signs that we are, on some point at least, in harmony with the universe. There is a mighty spirit working among us. That optimism, however, was short-lived, to be sure. Because before the first two decades of the 20th century were over, World War I... World War I, my friends, and it unleashed carnage and death and disaster that the world had never seen before. Now, by the time the war ended, there was over 8.5 million people killed and 21 million were wounded. Suddenly, all this science and technology that was supposed to do so much good was now turned into evil. In fact, World War I was only the opening stage of World War II which was far worse because it left almost 50 million dead. World War II showed the horrors that were made possible by, by science and technology, and that was, that was supposed to make the world better. Science, my friends, did not stop natural disasters 
We still have famines, we, hurricanes, earthquakes, tornadoes. We still have epidemics and diseases like the swine flu, corona. Now they have this new thing called monkeypox. All these things, my friends. Today, over the world, we have a constant threat of terrorism. Another one is because they, they want to acquire and unleash these weapons of mass destruction. So that's one of our fears. The great hope and optimism for the future that was characterized beginning in the 20th century, it doesn't exist at the beginning of the 21st century because some of us call our, ours the, the age of fear. Now, some people use these horrible events to excuse not believing in God. They'll ask the question like, why are there wars and starving children and earthquakes if there's a God? That's what they ask. For others, no. For others, we use these horrible events to help prove that God exists. If I say, well, why? Because in the Bible 2,000 years ago, Jesus warned us that these things were going to come to, to us. These very things that we see happening today. Centuries before these scientific discoveries and, and the hope that they raised in creating a future with all the problems were solved, Jesus warned us that these terrible things would happen in the future. Especially just before the end of the world. Before he returns. Before he returns to rescue those that love him. Now, God revealed in the Bible all these pronouncements about this future earthly bliss that they would fail. The Bible says, for when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon pregnant women. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 3. Now, indeed, not only did Jesus predict all these things were going to happen, he said that these things would be signs of his coming. He also said that that although these things would happen, that we shouldn't be discouraged because they tell us of his coming and coming soon. Now, we're going to look back now at a special prophecy in which Jesus gave the signs about his return to this earth. Now, as we look at these signs, we need to ask a question. Though Jesus' words were uttered 2,000 years ago, don't they just sound like that's the world that we live in today? Now, if so, now shouldn't these give us hope that ultimately, despite these terrible things, God is in control and Jesus is coming, as he promised. It should give us hope. Jesus told us these things not to discourage us or, or to make us be afraid or have fear, no, but to give us hope and, and encouragement for the future, despite all these terrible things. I mean, who here would like to have a hope, a world of hope and, and encouragement? especially in this world that we live in. Well, we all would because we all live in a fearful world. But I believe that Jesus is telling us this, that there's no need to fear, but just to trust in him. Now, let's go back almost 2,000 years ago to the ancient city of Jerusalem where, where Jesus ended his ministry. Now, Jesus was with his disciples, these, these special men that he had chosen, now, he points to this, magnific this magnificent building, the Jewish temple. It was, it was the pride and the joy of the nation. And then, they, then he says something like this, and it's strange to them, okay? Think about this. It's strange to them. This is what Jesus says. And Jesus said to them, do, not, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Matthew 24, verse 2. Now, this had to be astounding news to the disciples because the temple was the center of worship. It was the center of their culture. It was the center of their nation. 
And now Jesus is saying to them that it's going to be destroyed? Now, sure enough, what, for about 40 years later, just like Jesus said, the temple was destroyed. It was destroyed by the Romans. And there's still an arch in Rome that celebrates the destruction of Jerusalem. Now, when the disciples heard the temple would be destroyed, they asked the question, when? When and how? What's going to be the signs? And they, they wanted to know. So right after saying these things to the disciples, Jesus started to tell them the signs of the end of the world. These were the signs that would precede his second coming. In other words, this is what Jesus did. Jesus linked together the destruction of the temple with the signs of his coming and the end of the world. Now he linked these two events because he wants us to remember that, that he knows about these things. And these things, when they happen, they won't take us by surprise. And despite these calamities that we could trust in him to come again to make things right. Now, wouldn't you like to have that kind of hope right now? I mean, I hope, hope that everything is going to be all right. The good news is that we can trust in Jesus. All we need is that faith in Jesus, my friends. You see, God wants his children to be saved. And that is why he tells us what's going to happen so that we can be ready to build our faith and, and our trust in him. Now, what were the signs that Jesus said would precede his coming? Well, first, Jesus warned this. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Now, he warned us that there would be false Christs and false prophets and, and some would claim to be Jesus. Now, we've seen this repeatedly over the world, and here's a few examples of this. There's Sung Young Moon, the head of the Unification Church, he made claims that belong only to the Messiah. He had a meeting, think about this now. Reverend Moon had a meeting in a government building in the United States, in the United States Capitol, with a crown on his head, and he gave a speech claiming that he is humanity's savior, the Messiah, the returning Lord and the true parent. And there's a lot of Orthodox Jews that believe that Rabbi Menachem Schneerson was the long-awaited Messiah. There were many followers of the Guru Maharaji. And they believe that he is returned as Jesus, that his followers need to give him all of his possessions. In Africa, there's another one. It's an interesting name. His name is Olumba Alumba Obu in Nigeria. Preordained to rule over all human beings. He teaches that he is God personified in this era. Now, no question. When Jesus said there'd be false Christ, he knew what he was talking about. He said, too, that not only would they, these false Christs come, but he'd warned that they would deceive many. That many people would be uh, deceived by these imposters. Why? Well, because there's something in all of us that wants deliverance, that wants hope. Hope that looking for answers and when we can look for these answers in, uh, of life and their tough questions. But we need to be careful, my friends, not to look for answers in the wrong places. And many people are doing that. They're looking for answers in the wrong places and, and seeking answers from the wrong people. Here's a story that I heard. Now, there's a story of a man who, who one night lost his keys. And he was busy looking for his keys underneath the street lamp. And someone said, did you lose them here? He answered, oh, no, no, I lost them over there. But here's where the light is. And it's foolish to look for answers in the wrong places, my friends. 
We don't need to be deceived by false messiahs or false teachers or false prophets of any kind. Not when we can know the true one, Jesus Christ, for ourselves. Jesus wasn't through with his predictions about the future, no. About what life was like before he came back and what the signs were going to be like and what to look for. He warned us that there'd be also wars and rumors of wars. 2,000 years ago, Jesus warned that there would be wars until the end of time. And we already mentioned World War I and World War II. And their unbelievable dem devastation. And it's estimated that in the 20th century, 160 million people were killed directly as a result of war. Now, however tragic and painful these wars, they are evidence for our hope. And they tell us that Jesus is coming soon. In fact, Jesus said, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See, see that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Matthew 24, verse 6. Now, can you see what's happening here? Look, Jesus is telling us, Sure, these bad things happen, but, but don't be discouraged. Don't lose hope. These are signs. These are signs that we're nearing the end. But that is what God is like, my friends. No matter our struggles, no matter our tragedies that we face, God wants to give us hope. We have hope and courage amid all these tragic things going on. As these wars and rumors of wars, we learn to trust in God no matter what the trials that we're facing. Now, what else did Jesus say about the signs of the end of for a nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now we've all seen how accurate these predictions were. These predictions are very accurate, my friends. We see nations rising against nations. Tragedy, the tragedy, my friends, that humans do to each other. He describes natural disasters as a sign of the end and, and um, famines and pestilences and earthquakes. Now, whatever great strides that man has made in science, they haven't been able to spare mankind, my friends, of these things. Famines. We have, we had, there was a famine in 1967, the famine in Biafra, the famine in Bangladesh in the 1970s, the famine in Ethiopia in 1980-84, the famine in Somalia, the famine in North Korea. These other famines. An estimate of 2 million died in North Korea's famine. And it, it is sad because in a world of so much abundance, yet so heartless, people are still starving. People still starve in famines. And, and God calls us to help them, my friends. But should we be surprised? No, because God warned that these things are going to happen. The next text is, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, Jesus also warned of pestilences. Now, pestilence is an outbreak of disease. Now, despite all these strides in medical science, disease still wreaks devastation on the planet, my friends. Now, we know about Corona. And we, now, we talked about World War I. I now listen to this. Now, well, no sooner than when the war ended, the world faced a calamity that was known as the Spanish flu, the outbreak of the Spanish influenza. Now, that outbreak, the Spanish influenza, it probably originated in China. 
And disease, that disease spread from Japan, Europe, America, Africa. And before um, 1918 and 1919 were done, an estimated 20 to 40 million people died. And it was the most devastating epidemic that was ever seen. Right now we have the coronavirus. We're still in the pandemic. Hopefully we're in the endemic. But we still have to take, take heed, my friends. Now the measles, it killed hundreds of thousands of children uh, every year. It's a preventable it's preventable with vaccines and that's it's something that should be happening. Now Jesus predicted 2,000 years ago that long before modern medicine was going to bring hope that humans would be able to wipe out diseases but guess what? So far it hasn't happened. Those hopes so far have been wrong. He knew that modern medicine would not effectively cure everything. Now although God has given wonderful counsel on how to preserve our health Disease and age eventually affect us all. This uh, disease, it threatens everyone. But don't despair, my friend, because those things are here to remind us that Jesus is coming soon. Now, Jesus also warned about earthquakes in various places. Jesus lived 2,000 years ago, and sure, he might, have experienced, he might have experienced some earthquakes in his life. And he might have heard about some of these other places, but how did he know that there'd be earthquakes all the way down to the end of time in various places all over the world? Now, I'm going to say in the past 30 years, this is what the record looks like. A few thousand earthquakes here have occurred so far. The earthquake in Mexico City in September 1985, it killed 9,500. The earthquake in the Soviet Union in December 1988 killed 25,000. 25, the earthquake in India in October 1991 killed 1,600. Earthquake in Japan in January 1995 killed 6,430. Earthquake in Turkey August 1999 killed 17,000. The earthquake in Taiwan September 1999 killed 2,000. An earthquake in Sumatra December 2004 killed 227,000. An earthquake in Pakistan October 2005 killed 86,000. Earthquake in China May 2008 killed 69,000. These are earthquakes in various places, and there's a lot more since 2008, my friends. I don't have those facts. But now notice after Jesus talked about these things, look what he says in Matthew 24, verse 8, that all these are the beginning of sorrows. The beginning of sorrows? What is Jesus saying to us? He's saying that however bad war, earthquakes, and famines are, life is going to be going downhill before his return. And how right he is. Besides these things we face today, the things we face today, my friends, is this. We see this. We have crime, robbery, murder, rape, fraud, riots, you name it, riots. All sorts of sorrows, right? Now, in a recent Asian tsunami, people were snatching children who, were, who had been separated by their parents. And, and they were trying to sell them on the black market, my friends. How much worse can it get? And it leads to another sorrow, another exploitation of the poor by the rich. The gap between the rich and the poor is getting greater. I mean, there's millions that are barely surviving while others live extravagantly. Now, you know, the Bible has something to say about this. It says this. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. 
Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who moved your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord. You have lied on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Now, people are like extravagant, my friends. People will spend $12,800 a night in a hotel called Maurice, in Maurice, Paris, while millions don't even have a roof over their heads. People will spend 370000 on a Ferrari automobile, automobile while others don't even have shoes. Now, at a Toronto auction a few years ago, someone paid $85,000 for an old bottle of wine. While billions of people don't even have drinking water. Again, these are signs that tell us that Jesus is coming again as he promised. Jesus reveals that men and women are becoming more and more rebellious against God, cutting themselves off from the only source of goodness. The Bible says it, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control, brutal despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. As you can see in the world today, the world has become just what Jesus predicted right before his return. Today, People have realized that scientific advances can't save us. Because we now have the potential to destroy ourselves. Now, however, that's not going to happen, okay? Because God promised that the world would not end this way. The world will not end by nuclear war, so get that out of your head. The war is going to end in the glorious second coming of Jesus. Jesus put it this way. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. Lift up your heads. Your redemption draws near. What does it mean? It means that Jesus wants us to have hope and trust in him. Jesus is telling us that none of these terrible things should be taking us by surprise and that we shouldn't be surprised either. I mean, we shouldn't lose faith in him when this tragedy strikes, my friend. Instead, we should seek help from above. What about you? What about your own life? I mean, are you struggling with things that are too big for you to handle? There's probably not a person right now, no matter how rich or powerful or smart, who hasn't struggled with things too great for them to handle. Because... No matter how rich or powerful, how smart someone is, no one, my friends, escapes the challenges, the ultimate challenge that we all face. And that challenge is death. But Jesus beat death. Remember that. Jesus beat death. He beat it, my friends. He wants you to know today that, that you can beat death too through faith in him as Savior and Lord of your life. He teaches us, but thanks be to God, he gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. God says to you and me today, my friends, that I love you more than I love my own life. 
Accept me as your Savior and your Lord, and I will give you a new life. A life in all fullness. A life in all fullness, my friends. Now, years ago in an ancient Indian tribe, someone was stealing chickens. The chief declared that the offender would receive ten lashes if caught. Now, despite his threats, the stealing went on and on and on. The chief, enraged, increased the penalty to 20 lashes. But the stealing continued. Finally, out of desperation and anger, the chief said the thief would get 100 lashes, the equivalent of death. Finally, the thief was caught. But oh my, it turned out to be the chief's own mother. Now, what would he do? The guilty person was his own mother. When time came to administer the punishment, all the tribe appeared. The crowd, they gasped. The chief ordered his mother to be tied to the whipping post. Would he allow his own mother to receive justice? The chief then removed his shirt and grabbed the whip. But instead of striking the first blow, he handed the weapon to a young Indian brave standby, standing by. Then, to everyone's amazement, the chief, the chief walked over to his mother and wrapped his massive arms around her, covering her completely with his own body. Then he ordered the braid to give him the hundred lashes and bore in himself the penalty that his mother deserved. My friends, that is what Jesus did for us. He became our substitute and died in our place so that you and I can live and not die. You see, Jesus died for us at the cross. He died so that you and I can have eternal life. And that life is a free gift. I mean, wouldn't you like to claim that gift today? Well, you can, my friends. Simply by placing your life in the hands of, that were pierced for you. Now, the last of the signs that will be fulfilled just before the coming of Jesus is a sign that we see now being fulfilled. Jesus said in giving the final sign of the times, this is what he said. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. There it is, my friends, in the Savior's own words. The gospel is to be given to all the world, and then Jesus will return. And the question we must ask ourselves is this, am I ready for that day to come? Am I ready for that day to come? Now, I wonder, if, I, wonder if, I, if I made this prophecy clear to you, which was given to us by Jesus just before he left his disciples and went back to heaven to prepare them a place that he would come back to them. My friends, Jesus is coming soon. We see all the signs, my friends. We should be telling ourselves that I want to accept him as my Savior and soon coming Lord, because he's coming soon, my friends. I want to be ready to meet him so that I can go home with him. Because I believe that we are living in the last days of this world and that Jesus is coming soon. He's coming soon, my friends. And we need to seal our decision before God. We need to make sure that we are going to accept him because he's coming soon, my friends. He's coming soon. We'll be back with closing prayer.
Welcome back, friends. Thank you for tuning into this study. And thank you for spending your, your time with me uh, here at our time in God's Word. And um, we're going to close with prayer. Dear Lord, we, we see so much calamity in the world. We see all these wars, these famines, this crime, a lot of these injustices, poverty. But but we thank you for, for what, 2,000 years, years ago, that you warned us about these things, Lord. And, and you told us that we should see them as signs of your coming. And to see them, Lord, as examples of how much we need you. Oh, Father, help us to be aware of, of our need and, and to reach out and claim for ourselves the victory that you won for us. Thank you, Father, for the promise of your coming. The promise that one day all the, the devastating events going on around us will be forever ended in, and that we can spend eternity with, with you, with you, God, in your, in your kingdom. Today, Lord, we praise your name for those who, who made that decision to accept you, Lord, as your Savior, as, your, as their Lord and your coming King. Father, I ask you to draw them close to you. May they, may they sense your power and your presence in their lives, Lord. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. And we pray these things, Lord, in your Son, Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Thank you, friends, for joining us once again. And look forward to our next topic. Um, our next topic is going to be a, a good topic. You're going to love it. It's going to be about the actual, the second coming of Jesus. So I look forward to having you guys accompany me once again. This is Robert from our time with God and his word. May the Lord richly bless you. May the Lord hold you in his hand. May the Lord embrace you. And may his holy angels protect you. Until next time, this is Robert. Have a great one. Bye-bye.